Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Big Ten is expected to go with an all-conference-only football schedule. And the NFL game day protocols are starting to come out. With all four sports cranking up at the same time, who suffers the most and how has COVID-19 affected owner Stuart Sternberg's plans for the Rays playing in Montreal and Tampa Bay? We've got all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. So, Steve, just as we were uh, coming on to uh, tape this podcast on Friday, some of the news starting to filter out that the Big Ten is going to stay in conference, and they have the ability to do that, of course, uh, with their teams. And um, this, however, uh, I, I think it might be something that you see happen with the other conferences as well. I think this could be the first of many dominoes. Yeah, we're taping this Thursday afternoon, so it's possible some of the news has changed at this point. But the Big Ten's uh, basically no non-conference games. I think the plan is to play 10 games, which normally they play nine. So they'll right. redo the schedule. But I think what this allows them to do is a few things. One, reduce travel. Um, you know, for instance, Ohio State was supposed to go to Oregon. Michigan was supposed to go to Washington. Um, so some of those trips are now uh, going to be, you know, not going to happen. Two, by only playing 10 games, you're going to be able to start the season later, potentially, if you need to. Or it gives you a lot more flexibility in the schedule if you want to end around the same time, you know, right after Thanksgiving, early December, as usual. So it gives you a little sure. more flexibility in scheduling because you're playing less games, too. So. And, 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 and if games. a couple teams decide not to play, say there's a school that decides they're not going to play, then you know you still got enough teams in the conference to make it work, um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt other ways like that. So, and, and th- apparently it's going to be for all sports too, for the fall sports of just conference games only. Yeah, it uh, it frees up some dates. I'm sure there were some non-conference games that were scheduled, so it frees up some dates and allows some flexibility mm-hmm. in scheduling there if if something were to arise. Um, I, I, I do. I think that this is going to be a uh, more of a shortened, um, to some extent, more of a shortened college football season, one that may start later than we're used to. We're used to seeing college football begin before the NFL sometime in August with some of the early games. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you have to almost build in flexibility. I know the NFL did that when their schedule came out. They have some levers that they can pull where games are moved, where there's no bye week. Um, uh, you know, early games move to the back end of the season. So, you know, I mean, we know as we sit here and we, we look at the uh, – on Thursday, I believe, the Florida had the, a record number of deaths from COVID. Hospitalizations are up. So who knows what it looks like uh, in a month, much less by September. But um, you're going to see more and more of this. And, you know, the Ivy League, of course, they came out and announced that all their fall sports have been canceled. I think – there's been talk of the Ivy League moving their football season to the spring because, again, they don't play non-conference games either. They only play within the Ivy League, and that would make sense. In fact, it actually would give some probably added attention to their games that, you know, instead of being, um, you know, the last one or one of the few that you would watch midweek or something or uh, late on Saturday, uh, you might actually have some, you know, some some better time slots for them. But 
Yeah, we live in a we live in a world that's fluid, man, and I, and um, you know this is just one of those dominoes. Yeah, it's going to affect a couple state schools too. FAU was supposed to open Willie Taggart's debut versus Minnesota, and mm-hmm. uh, Miami was supposed to be at Michigan State this season. So those games are affected. And then there by was decision. for my wife's alma mater, Wisconsin was mm-hmm. supposed to play Notre Dame at Lambeau Field. What a great venue! What a great game that would have been. That would have been a great game. Um, one of the highlights of the year. I think that was supposed to be in early October. So, yeah, um, yeah. Notre Dame. You know, it'll be interesting if all these conferences follow suit. The SEC, ACC, etc. If they happen to follow suit, you know, what happens to Notre Dame? Although they yeah. are tied in with the ACC, so maybe they would just kind of include them in that schedule this year for football. But what about the other independents like BYU or UConn, who's a new independent this year after they mm-hmm. left the AAC to go to? the Big East, which doesn't have football. So um, if all the other conferences follow suit, and yesterday we didn't mention it, but the Ivy League canceled all all fall sports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing we don't know, and I know that uh, the SEC might have intentions of it, we really don't know, too, how many fans, what fans, will they have all the fans? I mean, you know, I'm sure the intention is to have as many as possible, but – We've seen the NFL. Obviously, some teams have come out and announced. I think Baltimore, they could only uh, have 14,000 for the most part. They're saying if you're a season ticket holder, you know, your your tickets don't matter, that they're going to go on a per-game basis, then season ticket holders will have priority. Um, but you can't obviously accommodate everybody. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see just how how whether they're able to have fans in the stadium and if they do, how much. Um, when you're talking about college football, which which is the big revenue producer, not just with TV money, but really with attendance and, and it's just everything that those mm-hmm. game days bring to a city, um, that's an awful lot of revenue, which is which is already costing other minor sports that are being canceled throughout the country. Yeah, did you see Stanford's news? Yeah. Oof. They they have a twenty. Uh, I think they have a twenty five billion dollar endowment for to run the school, and they cut eleven sports. Mm. That's just tragic. I mean, it's tragic if you're an athlete and you, your dream was to go to Stanford or, or play intercollegiate athletics, and there you are, you know, on scholarship, and then you find out not only are you not playing this year, you're not going to play at Stanford again. Um, it's it, it just it's it's devastating, and um, you know, we hope that uh, you know hope for a better day ahead. But obviously, football is a big driver of that. That's that's the big revenue producers, and without it, it's difficult to budget anything else. So. There's also some NFL protocols coming out with the players. This has kind of been trickling out during the week as they hold these conference calls and whatnot. And I, I still think that the union and the owner owners are a long way away from actually agreeing to a lot of things. Uh, but they did agree to some of the game day protocols uh, with respect to uh, safety and, and, and the like. And, and basically, look, they're not going to kid anybody. Um, you know, they're out there knocking heads and, and uh, making contact for three hours in, in sweaty uniforms and everything flying around. So they're not going to require players or coaches on the sidelines of the games to wear masks. However, everybody else involved in the game day operation that's over there will um, for their protection. But, um, uh, but yeah, it would be disingenuous to say, oh, yeah, when, when you're done – you know, uh, on special teams, go over here and put a mask on. You know, so um, that's not going to be the case. But uh, some of those protocols, no jersey swaps. You know, we see at the end of the game, what's become pretty popular is uh, for a player to promise or to uh, agree to swap game day jerseys. These guys like 
uh, putting these things up in their um, sports rooms and bonus rooms and whatnot. Um, but that's not going to be allowed for obvious reasons. Um, it's bad enough you've gotten plenty of it uh, during the game. You don't need to to carry in somebody else's uh, bodily fluids in their uniform on the way out of the stadium. So, yeah, some of those things are, are still, you know, still being um, contemplated, and, mm-hmm. and, and we'll find out. Also, the NHL, I guess, uh, they're waiting on their players' vote. You're yeah. supposed to vote uh, today, right? Yeah, the Players Association Executive Board on Wednesday night uh, uh, approved the tentative agreement. So now it's going to a full vote of the players. That will wrap up uh, this afternoon. Uh, the NHL Board of Governors is expected to vote tonight as well. So by the end of tonight, we should have answers on whether they've agreed or not to the hockey agreement that they came up with. And, and all indications are it will be approved by both the Board of Governors, which requires a two-thirds majority, and the players' full vote, which is a uh, 50% plus one. So all indications are they probably will approve it. If so, then we found out that uh, camps will open on Monday at arenas, including Amelie Arena. On the 26th, they'll travel to Toronto or Edmonton, depending on the Eastern or Western Conference team. The Lightning will be going to Toronto. And then by August 1st, hockey games will start. The latest the Stanley Cup will finish, assuming everything goes as planned, is October 2nd. The free agency will start seven days after the Stanley Cup is awarded, so whenever that is. The NHL draft will be October 6th. And then training camp for next year will be November 17th. You're talking a six weeks between the Stanley Cup and start of the next season. They're planning on starting next year December 1st. Now, that could change. Yep. It's all subject to change, but that is right. hockey's plan at this point. And if you uh, listen to what's on television and what the CDC and everybody's been saying, it doesn't look as if there's going to be a necessarily a vaccine available even much before the start of the first of 2021. So to start in December, you're essentially going to have a lot of the same circumstances you do now with respect to uh, any kind of immunity or, or um, you know help from this this virus. So... Yeah, uh, that's not much time for the Stanley Cup champion to uh, to take off before they have to get back right back in it. That'll be that'll be really interesting. And speaking of so, uh, schedules, the Rays put out their schedule for next year already. I don't get that. I mean, I, I saw that, and I was talking to one uh, one of our uh, sports editors, and it was like, now this is like a schedule, two schedules in three days. Like, where did this one come from? It's like, yeah, it's it's for twenty twenty one. Generally, the what? last the last couple years, baseball has put out their schedule for the next season. Around uh, maybe a little later than this, maybe August, they, it's mm-hmm. generally out before the season ends, and, and and actually, you know, probably a month or so before. I, I could be wrong. I'm just off the top of my head, memory wise. But yeah, they put out the schedule for next season. I, I don't know if if that's if they put it out a little earlier this year, perhaps maybe to appease season ticket holders, and so planning for next year and hoping a lot of people will carry that money over. Instead of asking for refunds, and and you know, I don't. Mm-hmm. It could be that, or maybe this is. Maybe they've put it out this early in the past, um, but I, I tend to remember like late July, August being a timeline that they would put the schedule out. But this was off the top of my head. It just, I guess, because they had to, you know, create a, a new sixty game schedule that just was released. It seems mm-hmm. a little. It seems a little weird because it's only been yeah. a couple of days since we saw that, but. You know, plans have to be made as much as they can be made for travel and things like this uh, with the teams themselves. Other cities host other events, so they'll be aware of of what's going on. But the Rays will open on the road next year. It's the first time in many seasons that's happened. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think the last time I can recall they opened on the road. 
So they'll open in Miami, and then uh, that'll be April 1st. April 9th will be the home opener against the Yankees. Nice. Always good to get to those guys early. Well, let's just hope we have a, a schedule that they can complete in the 60-game schedule that's coming up here, hopefully in a, in a few weeks. So. so the first time the Rays have opened on the road since 2009. Oh, wow. So that was before I was even in town. That's why I couldn't remember it. <laughs> well, and they're going to Miami, which is a warm way. A lot of right. times uh, you know, the schedule makers like to take the northern teams and put them down in Florida or Arizona, mm-hmm. the warmer climates, California, because you can literally get games snowed out in April. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, in Minnesota, Chicago, different places. Even New York can be pretty crappy weather. So you don't want to start the season with a bunch of bad inclement weather. Um, so oh. that's that's probably why. But oh. they're not going far. They're just going yeah. down south to Miami. They, Miami. Then the second series is at Boston before they come home. So mm. Boston, okay. April 5th. We could see some snow. We definitely could see some bad weather up there. <laughs> um, boy, it's... That next 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 year seems a long way away. In fact, next week seems a long way away the way things are going. So, anyway, we got a lot of mailbag questions. Uh, we'll try to get to some of those as, as we can in this uh, final day of our weekly podcast. Let's get started. All right, Les asks Rick with the four major sports cranking it up at the same time. This will be the first time all sports are kind of competing against all the rest. What sport do you think suffers the most from that? You know, I. I I gave a little bit of thought to this, and the NFL is by far, in a way, to me, the most popular and um, always will be, at least in the foreseeable future. And so I think there's always a lot of anticipation for that. We don't know what's going to happen with college football. That might even make it more so. Um, so I don't, I don't think it'll be them. The other two sports are, are playing tournaments. They're playing for championships. You know, the NBA has, uh, of course, the bubble in Orlando, but they're hoping to crown – an NBA uh, champion, and they, you know, pretty almost completed their regular season. They, much like the NHL, they were only a, a little ways away from doing that. Um, and the same is true with the Stanley Cup. I mean, you know that that is always a a grind. A, you know, it's grueling. Um, there's you know uh, uh, just just a lot goes into it when you play. You know that many series in in a couple months and. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that'll be any less exciting if, if they're able to play it. Obviously, uh, absence of fans would be difficult and all of that. But um, they're trying to crown champions, and so I think you get the best of the best to begin with. You know, not not every team in the league is going to be playing because they didn't qualify maybe for those tournaments. But um, but Major League Baseball, they had their chance. This is the thing they kind of missed the opportunity because um, things have actually gotten worse since they reconvened. But in terms of uh, viruses and things like that, uh, but they had an opportunity to start before anybody and had would have had the you know the whole television window to themselves uh, outside of the PGA and now MLS has started. But um, you know I, I think baseball because even though it's a sprint, there's just no, there's still more games, sixty games. Um, you know you could you could lose some of the attention uh, from those other sports that are trying trying to crown champions and, of course, the NFL. We did no shortage of storylines in the NFL starting right here in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. So I would say it's baseball, Steve. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think hockey, you know, knowing that it's it's more of a regional sport in the United States, uh, outside sure. you know, the individual markets, and they don't have a deal with ESPN as far as the over-the-air network, so they, get, they tend to get squeezed out on SportsCenter and stuff, which drives a lot of that conversation. So I, I think that you know hockey can struggle with that some, but um, you know mm-hmm. I think the NBA benefits from this. 
And, and I yeah. think baseball, I think baseball would have been better off getting, you know, starting their season a month before everybody else. I think it it would have uh, done them a lot of good. And you're going to have, you know, every now and then you'd have baseball games in the afternoon, and those would be well received. Now you're going to have all kinds of games being played in the afternoons. Yeah. Well, and, and baseball, NHL. most of the baseball games are at night. They're not loading the days with games, even without fans. It's, That's right. They're going after the television ratings, which, you know, their RSNs, the regional sports networks, are probably pushing more than anyone. Um, sure. You know, so there, there's not going to be as many day games as you would like to see with baseball coming back. I mean, the dream is a 60 game schedule that you had baseball all day, almost every day. Right. Because with no fans in the stands, you could have played them whenever, but that's not. They, they chose to do mostly night games for television. All right, Stan asks, since players are going to be getting COVID-19 during the year, there's a good chance that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin get it. Does that make you rethink adding a guy like Antonio Brown for depth? And is Bruce Arians missing things like this? The team with the most depth will win the most games this year. Well, I talked to Bruce Arians just the other day, as you know, Steve, and, and uh, the one quote that I probably should have played up a little bit larger was his acknowledgement. He said, you know, um, every player on the team is going to get this. I mean, he really believes that. He didn't think it's possible um, that you could go through an NFL season. He's mostly um, concerned about, you know, being on the road, uh, indoor stadiums, um, you know, cramped locker rooms, especially on the visiting side, um, you know, recirculated air, you know, coming out of the showers after games and having to get treatment uh, in some of these rooms that are, that are uh, not very spacious for the visitors. So, you know, there's that part of it. As, as far as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I mean, we saw last year <clears throat> they both got injured. Football, football is an injury sport. You, you don't – you certainly – you know, this, this adds to that element. And depth is obviously going to be something that um, is going to be needed, especially since you have the addition of COVID. And you know that you could have a player – uh, and, and and maybe several players miss because of that and not because of injury, um, but you're always you're always trying to plan you know for for the possibility of that. Um, I think any team that loses loses two starting receivers, you're not going to be in great shape. You know now you know, the Bucks drafted Tyler Johnson, who's a a real talent uh, from Minnesota. Um, I I think you know he is not going to benefit this year because of all the missed reps some 400 reps he would have gotten in the offseason. Um, but then again, you can teach him the route tree. You can teach him the plays. Um, he's a talent. You have Scotty Miller, who was used some on third down. You know, last year would have been nice if they could have kept Rashard Perryman, but they weren't able to. Um, so, you know, that's that's just too bad, actually. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, I, I would look to the tight ends. I would say this, that um, – you know, you have some flexibility in your formations when you got guys like Rob Gronkowski, who's going to catch an awful lot of passes. You've got, you know, O.J. Howard, who you hope benefits from Gronkowski being here. You go with a lot of 12 personnel with those two guys on the field together. Cam Brait, I think, will be better a year further out from his hip surgery. Uh, he's going to be effective for you. Uh, so, you know, they, they have pass catchers. And don't forget, too, that Brady um, – also has completed over 100 balls to his running backs the last five years. So there's a lot of targets still, but I, I, don't, I don't know that they're being short-sighted. I mean, I think they know what they have, and I think they like what they have. And so, you know, do you go out now and sign an Antonio Brown or, you know, somebody like that? I mean, who do you bring in here 
Um, and if you do, when you start the season, how are they getting on the field? So uh, they like their guys, you know, and I think that they're this is the group they're going to start training camp with and just see how it goes. But um, obviously, you know, the team that does the right things, and what I mean by that, they're going to be tested all the time. And, and so, you know, once they come into the building and they're tested, they're going to go home and they're going to be with their families. The team that makes the sacrifice for their teammates that don't go out um, that you know keep their you know keep their circle really tight uh, and don't get sick or try do everything they can not to get sick is going to be the team that that um, probably prevails and and it's going to take a real commitment um, and it's got to be for you know the full however long they play six months or whatever it is and um, you know that's 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 going to be difficult it's going to be hard for everybody um, but I, I just think you know injuries injuries will happen regardless of covid and and now you have this added but i don't i don't you know you can only have so many players their the rosters actually for training camp are smaller than normal they're in the 80 something as opposed to 90 you're able to recall a bunch of guys uh up to three players i think if they're on ir instead of just one or two so there'll be some things that'll you know including some practice squad players and this might be the place to stash those guys you're able to keep two practice squad players that, that are actually veterans. You know, in the past, you could only have so many years of service, so many game time, so much game time. You had to be essentially almost like a rookie to be on the practice squad. Now you're able to keep two veterans that have played the game. So there's a lot of ways to, uh, to add to your depth. Um, but, but like I said, they, hey, when you've got Mike Evans and you've got Chris Godwin in those tight ends, you had Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, um, you know, Watson to the to the mix. I, I think they feel pretty good at wide receiver. UK Bucks asked, the Premier League's been back for about a month now with no issues as all the players and staff are tested regularly. There's no fans in the stadiums and the teams are playing at home. Do you think the NFL will replicate this approach? Well, I mean, they're going to try. Um, you know, unfortunately, the United States has not done as well, um, you know, in, in kind of mitigating this, this spread of this virus as the you know as europe has i know they've had their trouble in england um but if you look at all those most of those european countries they were able to actually you know so so called flatten the curve and um you know you have to credit the players you know mostly um for being able to uh you know to to, to do right things and and take precautions whatever they can and you know try to try to eliminate the potential for catching it, but it's still early in the premier league. But uh, I, I think it's a model for sure. And, and this is what the, you know, the NFL has or was supposed to have the benefit of other sports coming back, you know, for domestic or, or abroad. And they're going to look at all of them. They'll look at all those protocols. We know the Glazers have a team in the premier league, Manchester United. Um, so they're intimately familiar with, with what they're doing. Um, so hopefully they'll bring, you know, some of those techniques and practices, but at the end of the day, a lot of it is going to depend on what precautions the players take when they're not in the building, when they're not, um, you know, participating on Sunday. Uh, what about the rest of the week with their families? Um, those that are single, you know, what do they do? So, uh, and that's why when the league was going through these protocols, you know, there was a discussion about, potentially finding players if they if they didn't do the right things if they used a ride sharing service if they you know went to a bar and that kind of stuff um i don't know that that's going to fly in fact i think it probably won't 
Uh, but it just does. It goes to show you that those those guys, those players in the Premier League, have done a really nice job of protecting each other and um, and their families. And and I think that's what the, the NFL's hope is. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Kieran asked what potential opponents in the Eastern Conference can give the Bolts the biggest matchup issues in round one of the playoffs? Steve, I'll let you take this one. I mean, I think, you know, to me, I, I think you just start, and I don't know about matches, but I think you just start with what are the best, who are the best teams in the East. And, I mean, I, I, look, at, I look at the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, experience is going to count. Uh, you know, these teams that have been together a long time, obviously, you know, you're going to have to have some skill involved. But, um I know that last a year ago, you know, no one would have suspected maybe after Columbus made those trades that they would have been a difficult matchup. Now, you know, the Lightning had some issues with Victor Hedman out and some other things that happened. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they've they've gone through the gauntlet. They know they know the teams that are out there. Washington's a big physical team um, that you always talk about that that the Lightning obviously struggled with a couple years ago in the Eastern Conference Final. But they, the Lightning have changed the look at their team. So I, I think they can play against anybody. Oh, the Lightning, I mean, you compare their roster. I mean, here's the, the, the different part of this year's Stanley Cup run is that every team is healthy, with the exception mm-hmm. of a handful of players who've had some medical surgeries or that that aren't going to be back. But, you know, every team, you never go in the playoffs 100% healthy. I mean, last year, Victor yeah. Hedman, uh, Stamkos has missed parts of lots of playoffs. Uh, you know, go back to the Lightning's history. So right. when you compare roster to roster, I like the Lightning's chances. Boston, obviously, is the, the best team in hockey. They, they won the President's Trophy this year. They play the best defense. I mean, the, their goals against is the fewest in hockey by far. Uh, but the Lightning won't be able to face them in round one. Um, what's going to happen is Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philadelphia, those are the top four teams in the East. They have buys, essentially. They're going to play each other in a round robin to determine the seeding. Who gets the first seed, second seed, third seed, fourth seed? 5 through 12 is then playing each other in a qualifying round, which the teams will advance, and then they'll, they'll seed them based on their seed. So right. Pittsburgh is the top seed of the, those teams of 5 through 12. I think, I, I think that the biggest matchups in, in round one, I look at the teams that can play, can, can lock you down defensively. Uh, Columbus is one of those teams. Uh, the Islanders. Right. Um, the Hurricanes, and, and to me, Pittsburgh. And anytime you have Sidney Crosby on the ice, you have to be worried. But – Right. Those those are the teams that I worry the most about in a first round matchup. Um, Toronto's skilled, uh, but their back end can be a mess at times. Florida has some issues on the back end as well. I mean, Sergey Bobrovsky's numbers don't look that good this year because I think a lot of the, a lot of it's the team in front of him isn't that good. Um, Montreal doesn't play great defense, but you do have Carey Price, and if he gets hot, that can always be an issue. Uh, the Rangers are young; I just don't think they're ready for this yet. Um, looking through the other, what if, I think I've hit all the teams. But to me, right. the, the the scariest matchups are Pittsburgh or Columbus or the Islanders or the Hurricanes, and it's because they play great defense. And and you know, look, if you know you have a high skilled team like the Lightning, if you can lock them down and make it tough for them to get shots through, then you have a shot to beat a team like the Lightning. 
All right, Craig in Vegas asked, based on Stu Sternberg's interview with Mark Topkin, that he is still focused on a split with Montreal, how does COVID-19 affect this plan now? And are the Rays now an afterthought more likely to leave now? Well, I think he's still committed to it. If you read the article or the um, interview that Mark did with Stu, um, they have not let go of that notion uh, by a long shot. I, I do. I would say this, that, that you know, realistically, this doesn't help in, in this sense. Um, you're talking still about building two stadiums, one here, one in Montreal. Uh, and let's face it, this, this economic times, uh, it's devastating. Um, you know, not since 08 and the housing crisis and the unemployment that happened as a result of that. Uh, you know, you've still got millions and millions of people out of work. Um, it's going to be years, I think, before you see it come back. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. It's, in fact, gotten worse. You could see a second wave of bad economic news. Uh, so, you know, they're not immune to – we can see it with baseball now. I mean, without fans in the stands, how, how many – few there might have been for the race, uh, it's still more than they're going to get. And so, you know, that, that's certainly going to hit them uh, as hard as, as any team. And so, you know, uh, follow the money. I always say, you know, that that'll tell you where anything is probably headed. And right now, um, I, th- I think it's going to you know, push back whatever plans they had simply because there's so many needs in the community right now that that will not include, you know, sports and entertainment necessarily when you're talking about tax dollars. And that's what we're talking about. And if they want to build their own, have at it. But um, that's that's not what anybody is looking to do. So. Um, on the other hand, this is sort of an interesting trial balloon from this standpoint, Steve, and I've thought about this, is that you're essentially going to have games primarily followed on television, right? Mm-hmm. Where Rays fans won't be going to the games for the most part, probably, or won't be able to, at least as many that may want to go. And so you'll play a baseball season, albeit 60 games, and I would think the TV ratings will be good. Um, again, it, it'll be sort of simulating because mm-hmm. here we are in July. This would be the portion of the season that that the Bucks, or I'm sorry, the Rays, not the Bucks, the Rays were, you know, talking about moving to Montreal. So you would mm-hmm. be watching them on TV as we will watch them on TV exclusively or almost yep. exclusively now. It, it, it's it is a trial, but at the same time, I think television ratings. It's going to be interesting because you're going to have NHL and NBA playoffs and everything going on at the same time. Competitive, yeah. But you're also stuck at home without a lot of options to go out and do stuff. That's so, true. No vacations. You know, it's different when yeah. you're forced to stay at home and to watch than compared to it's a, a couple point. seasons from now when I could stay at home and watch the game tonight or I can go to the beach or the park, the you know, you name Absolutely. it now. I mean, you, know, you can do some things now. So it, it is a trial, and I think it'll be interesting. But it's different when it's done out of necessity or forced to than than your choice right. to. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can. It, it, it's not going to be an apples to picture. apples comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but more, it's, it's, the, to me, the more interesting one to watch is Dave Dombrowski, the former Tigers president and Boston Red Sox president, is joining the Nashville group trying to get a baseball team, mm. and. They would like to either expansion or lure one to go there. And I think that's the right. bigger thing to watch. Now, I believe that group there wants to buy the team. They don't want to 
bring Stu to town and keep Stu as the owner. I think they're looking to buy from the way I understand it. But Dave Dombrowski yeah. has joined that group in Nashville that is trying to bring baseball to Nashville now. So a real progressive town and one that's just growing like a weed. So, yeah. Buck North asked, recently I've been rewatching the 99 Buck season. In my humble opinion, that defense was as good, if not better, than the 2002 one. Hardy Nickerson doesn't get the notoriety he deserves. The rules now are tilted towards the offense. Do you think we will see a return of the great defenses of the past? Well, it's going to be difficult because I think you hit on it, that, that, that the rules really are um, made to, uh, to create points and to protect quarterbacks and, and wide receivers, take the head out of the game. I remember you know, back in the 99 season, and that was as good a defense. I think they were probably as good as, as 02. Uh, uh, frankly, it was the same players with the exception of Nickerson and a couple others. Shelton Corals took over, of course at the middle linebacker position but when you go back and look at when you go back and look at 1999 they played the greatest show on turf which at the time they were the Kansas City Chiefs you know they were virtually a point machine um Mike Martz was the offensive coordinator uh Dick Romeo of course Kurt Warner Marshall Falk those great receivers and they were they put up over 500 points that year and you know that whole week I can remember you know Tony Dungy and and them sitting there in St. Louis, um, you know, a couple of days that you would fly up before the game and they'd have the press conferences uh, for the championship teams. And everybody was talking just about, you know, how great this, this offense was. And it was great. Make no mistake. Isaac Bruce and those guys. But, you know, no one talked about the Bucks defense the way they should have. And the Bucks went out there and, as we all know, had a 6-5 to five lead. That's right, 6-5. to five. And, Three, two of those points was a, a you know a snap, a center snap on a punt that went through the end zone. So really, they had given up a field goal through all but four minutes and forty-four seconds of the game, a field goal to the greatest show on turf. They sawed those guys in half. Um, those receivers didn't want to come near John Lynch or Derek Brooks or any of those guys. They put an absolute, absolute butt whipping on them. I mean, it was. As impressive of a of, on the road too, by the way. Okay, so this is not at Raymond James. I mean, you didn't have the crowd behind you. This is on the road, and I I don't think I've seen you know with with what was on the line a much better performance on defense than the one they did that day. Unfortunately, we know that you know after a timeout when Kurt Warner saw the blitz, Monty kept the blitz on. They got man coverage on the outside, and Ricky Prohl, you know. Broke their hearts with the, just a, a great catch. And then, of course, coming back the other way, the Bucks would have had a first down at the 22-yard line, but you had the Bert Emanuel, uh, you know, uh, catch or non-catch rule, uh, which is then the Bert Emanuel rule, and it would be a catch, I think, even today, actually. But, um, you know, they just weren't able to score any points. But that defense was very, very good. And I don't know that you'll see one like that. I mean, there's some pretty good defenses in the NFL. Um, we, you know, we obviously, you know, saw one. I think uh, Baltimore has had, had their day. Um, San Francisco played pretty well last year. Uh, you know, Kansas City did a good job in the fourth quarter against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But they're more noted for their offense. I just think it's going to continue to be an offensive lead. As long as you can hit the quarterback in such a small target area, as long as, as those wide receivers have to catch the ball 
um, before you can really do much to them. I, I don't think the rules will allow you, uh, you know, really much leverage on those guys. So we'll see. I mean, the game is always changing. It's always adapting. Uh, you're seeing uh, defenses adapt to the spread o- spread option. You're seeing them adapt to uh, four and four receivers, five receiver sets. And now teams are doing what? The offenses are running the ball. They're making you put heavier personnel in the game, and they're taking advantage of six defensive backs and however you're attacking all these wide receivers. So there is a, a pendulum you know, that, that happens in the NFL strategically. It may swing back to more of a power game, which may keep the scores down, which may benefit the uh, defense a little bit. Um, but until, unless they change the rules again, it's a different game. It just is. All right, we'll end on this one today. And Brian asks, Rick, do you have any good stories about the cannon misfiring? I don't know. I, it has misfired before. Um, and that, I can't cite a specific example. Um, I do remember being surprised, you know, at times when um, when it went off. It, it doesn't happen very often. Of course, it's supposed to fire any time the Bucks get inside the 20-yard line. And that's the one that always confuses me. Because I forget, you know, and they're not always inside the twenty to begin with. But um, it's you can be kind of lulled to sleep, like well, you know, why are they firing the cannons now? I, I don't, I don't, I know there's been a number of players, and uh, I know Greg Allman wrote a story in, in uh, the Athletic about the pirate ship, uh, and uh, you know, I remember its genesis when um, you know they they decided to build this icon that is, you know uniquely theirs right you know it's raymond james stadium when you see that um but i've just seen quarterbacks you know become startled you know even in warm-ups and things uh you know they'll test it out before games at, at times when guys are first coming out on the field so it happens um but there's never been like you know like you know a guy getting ready to take a snap or make a kick and the damn thing goes off and, and you know, it's shank eponymous. I mean, that, although that's a pretty good strategy, I wonder what they would do. <laughs> You're not supposed to have any music or any sound, but it's like, hey, sorry, you know, cannon shot. Um, but, no, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have any great stories about it. I've never been, you know, as funny as I've never been on the pirate ship. Um, I know they've done some, sh- they've done broadcasts from there. NFL Network was there last year. Uh, the Good Morning uh, Football crew was there. So uh, there's been a lot of a lot of uh, you know famous broadcasters and stuff, but but I've not been on it. But now, can't say that I that I uh, remember any inappropriate. I, I know they've gone off at times they weren't supposed to, but nothing that stands out as far as affecting a game. And Rick, we forgot there is one of our local sports teams will be starting back up this weekend. The Tampa Bay Rowdies have their first game against Atlanta on Saturday night, and that's going to air on Fox Sports Sun for the first time. So. Uh, you can watch you the go. Rowdies play Saturday night at 7.30 as they uh, begin to resume the 2020 USL championship season. Yeah, my understanding is you're going to have some fans, but very limited fans, like you might not even notice, just to maybe a couple hundred or so might be spattered uh, mm-hmm. out uh, around the uh, the arena there. So that's good. we got hockey workouts, of course, will be starting, and baseball continues to ramp up as we head towards hopefully a 60-game season. Have a chance, if you do, to uh, go to TampaBay.com uh, in, in this morning's Tampa Bay Times. Uh, and also, uh, it'll be on in the Sunday edition on the cover of the newspaper, as it turns out. They like the story so much. I wrote about uh, growing up Gronk, uh, Gordon Gronkowski, who's the patriarch of those five boys. Four of them, if you can believe this, four of them played in the National Football League. His oldest son 
played uh, in the Dodgers organization, played minor league baseball for six years. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's just it's un, un, incredible. When you hear the story of Gordon Krakowski, who was a former Syracuse offensive lineman, undersized, actually was recruited or, or at least convinced to uh, uh, to be given uh, a scholarship by Jerry Angelo, who used to be the Bucks and Bears you know, general manager, was an offensive line coach or assistant offensive line coach in Syracuse at that time. Gordon and his and his ex-wife Diane raised these guys, um, and they had unique uh, unique competition. Uh, that house was was a little amped up to say the least, and um, it was fun talking to Gordon. Uh, we'll probably play uh, some of that interview or, or a good portion of it on Monday's podcast. You look forward to that and you hear from Gordon himself. Um, but uh, check it out in the Tampa Bay Times on Sunday on the front page of the newspaper, and then you can also go to tampabay.com and probably read it uh, sometime later this morning or today. So we appreciate you guys listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.